It's time for a change. Strap your headphones on and join Chris, Scott, and Sean. Three active duty police officers in the Chicago suburbs. As they face the tough subjects, including police brutality, racial tension, rioting, and more. Weekly, you'll get tips and tricks on how to keep you and your family safe, what to do during traffic stops, how to handle domestic violence, and more. This This is a show about about opening a dialogue, accepting that something has to be done, and bringing communities together again. And now your hosts, Chris, Scott, and Sean. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Three Cops Talk. This is Sean, one of your hosts. As usual, I'm here with Uncle Chris. Oh, ho, ho. And Big Sergeant Scott. Hello, hello again. And Sergeant Scott's all dressed up like he's like in like 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 all important and shit. I mean, we're we're all in t-shirts and he's like yeah. I don't know. It's, it's only, it's only he's because wearing tuxedo, uh, it's tuxedo, only tuxedo be- t-shirt. It's only because <laughs> I was running late. Because he has a collar on his shirt. He's dressed up. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, well, yeah. look at me. Yeah. This is hey, that is Chris, dressed Chris up. Wears, Chris has dress sweatpants. Remember that. <laughs> well, one of our guests. We're, we're on. We're on Hollywood Squares again doing this on Zoom. And one of our guests is dressed way better than him right now. Yeah. Looking at him, I guess he's got a better shirt on there. He does. Look at totally him. Nice. Hey, I freaking up Banana Republic like, now over the last six months. I'm a totally different person. Right. Right. Way to go, baby. Way to go, baby. Yep. The cool thing about Zoom. The cool thing about Zoom is you don't even have to have pants on, so you only yeah. got to get dressed right. up. It's actually that's yeah. It's just the collared shirt. I'm only wearing the collared shirt. Right. But I'm wearing. Own a bathing suit. When nothing so, else, this actually weird. weird. So long, I actually have a bucket right under my desk. So I'm like, I'm good to go. I'm ready to roll. Which guy is this? Take break now. I, I already shit. took my no, break. No, no. Yeah. I'm taking my break. So now. he's in a collar shirt and boxer shirts, and so I kind of leads into what we're talking about today. Like, help. Uh, no, we're, we're talking about like obviously today's topic is something we've talked about quite a bit. Um, you know, the mental health related issues that affect the police community and you know like we said before the police community is synonymous with being last of the dance you know you see the worst things you deal with some of the toughest stuff you know the va was way ahead of us on a lot of these things because of it's a force protection issue and things along those lines and near the end of my career i was definitely interested in that because i knew how helpful that kind of stuff is to people from my own experience as well as you know talking and meeting a lot of different people you know, there's different things we all do for therapy. Some of it is healthy. Some of it is helpful, like working out and hobbies. But cops have a ten- tendency to cloister. You know, right. we, we hang around with our own. Keep um, it all and in. Some of that stuff can just be, you know, like a continual cycle and circle of misery. And, you know, and, and you know, we're constantly down. And the society's down on us. And we focus on that, even though actually still a vast majority of society really supports us. It's 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 a really complex issue. And there's it takes some complex answers to get through this stuff. And it's not the standard, ah, go talk to somebody, you'll be fine. Go talk to your, go talk to the father down right, the street. Right, right. Give me father for I've sinned <laughs> and I'm out. You know what I mean? That kind and of I'm stuff. Much better. I mean, that might have worked back in the day, but not so much anymore. You, you, you have a lot of different angles and a lot of different resources to us. And our world is slow on the uptake on it. But now that it's on, there's a lot of things that are happening. And that's what we're going to talk about today with our guests. Now, you guys, uh, like I said, therapy comes in all form and again i love doing this show with you guys no bs i know we joke about it a lot and we make fun of me and all this but this stuff. is a form but of therapy i think for us it's kind 100%. of a form of therapy of you know hearing is like when i talk with you guys i'm like i really don't have it that bad <laughs> see see you know what I mean? it's therapy <laughs> like, like, i already feel better see already feel better. look yeah. at that shirt yeah. Yeah. i feel better yeah. Yeah. i've been a doctor i talk to you guys and i go i'm not in illinois anymore i feel that much better right I'm really, it's I'm like really a weight bad. off your shoulders uh. But you guys, what do you guys do? What do you guys do for for fun? Like uh, Chris, the dog takes up a lot of your time. But I, I think, don't you make money? You literally like mint money. That's what yourself? I do for fun. <laughs> that's, do, right? that's what I do for fun. <laughs> I run my business, and that's for fun. That's what I do. And so, Scott, what, Scott, uh, well, is is this like um, 
Well, I like long walks on the beach. <laughs> and uh, Scott, you know, if Scott, uh, you ever listen to mornings? that show on NPR? Um, <laughs> it was Car Talk. You, you, Remember those you, two guys, you, Car Talk guys? You lost me at NPR. Scott, <laughs> there was two guys yes, that did the show called Car Talk or something like that. And there was two guys who were always cracking back and forth, but they knew everything about cars. And it was really funny, but it was like really like egghead stuff too. And it was kind of, it was like, it got I think he just called you an egghead. But anyhow, go well, ahead. See, I, I died have, or whatever. I don't know whether, but I Scott wanted that. to take over for that right. show. I, and I have that, but it's just in my garage by myself. <laughs> right. So it's right, just right, a right. one-sided conversation, right. just me right. talking to the to car. Actually talking to his cars. <laughs> right, right. Christine, no, no, Christine hey, hey, stop listen, rubbing listen, the tailpipe, bro. Have, we got to go. I've passed that gene on to, to my son, oh, so he God. is definitely... You know, we, we can nerd out together on the cars and there all that kind of stuff. So it's yeah, that's again, my that's my thing. It's camaraderie and, and and folks that you know you're comfortable with that can kind of help you break down right. some of these barriers. You know, and that's that's what our guests do. Rich and Carlos, Rich Wastocki, you guys know who he is. He's been on the show before. He's our only two time guest at this point. Right. Um, but uh, he, need, he needs no introduction. <laughs> Rich is joining us from uh, beautiful Las Vegas. Um, he's given up uh, a life in law enforcement, and he's just gone to the blackjack table straight up. He's a dealer <laughs> now, and uh, he's only got an hour. He's going for the bracelet this yeah, year. Right. He's going for the bracelet. <laughs> he's got to get down. Sponsored by so, Ultimate Security. No, wait a minute. Oh, wow. <laughs> an, he just took an online class on how to stop people from counting cards. But, uh, he's actually joining us from Vegas because it's his thirtieth anniversary. Ooh, happy, happy, happy 30 years is longer than I've been married to both of the women that I was married to. Um, <laughs> and, uh, that's good for you. So uh, congrats to you and the family and our next, and, and, and he's definitely flying first class because the guy he's brought on board with us is, uh, I'm going to let him introduce himself, but, uh, or talk a little bit about himself. So I'll introduce him. Carlos Farina is a great guy. I met him way back in the day when I was getting involved in peer support and, you know, providing help to officers that, you know, need some, you know, maybe additional, uh, therapy, things along those lines, but he's got quite an extensive background. He's a veteran. Obviously he is a veteran of law enforcement as well, but in Florida, um, he was in the Broward County Sheriff's Department. He was a member of the critical response incident response team. He was a staff clinician for the their psychological services division. He was a hostage negotiator, service serving with the SWAT team doing that. The guys in the SWAT world have really learned to like those guys because they really help us stay out of jail. Um, and he was a psychological profiler and provided uh, a ton of training for his own industry. Um, now he works as a state certified addiction and mental health professional. He's board side of board certified clinical hypnotherapist. And he's going to talk a little bit about some of that stuff when we get into the show a little bit before joining uh, his treatment center, which we'll talk about. He founded a unique substance recovery, wellness and intervention program for first responders. That's today what we're talking about, but I can't thank you guys enough for coming on. Thank the you show. guys so really much. Take time out of your day. You're appreciate welcome. it. Thank you. You're so, welcome. You're so welcome. Rich, why don't you launch in real quick what we what we're talking about here with that, and then we'll kind of sure. barrage you with questions from there. Yeah. Well, well, thanks for having me, guys. So, so when I retired, um, a friend of mine that all of you guys know, uh, Tim Ryan, uh, he was working at a place called Transformations in Delray Beach, Florida. So, you know. In my cyber world, I was going to all the conferences, teaching law enforcement all over the country with cyber stuff. And and Tim said, hey, I want you to take a trip with me. My bosses from Transformations want to talk to you. And I'm like, cool. All right. Well, what do they want with me? You know, I don't know anything about recovery. I'm, I'm just a cyber guy, you know, catching predators on my whole career. And he goes, I don't know. Maybe they want you to teach in colleges or something. I said, 
well, I'll, I'll go down to South Florida for three or four days right. in March from where we're at. Right. So, uh, <laughs> so, so uh, I went down there and uh, with Tim, and I got a tour of the facility. I got a tour of detox. I got a tour of the clinical building and where uh, clients stay. And um, I went to lunch with the, with the CMO and CEO of the company, and I'm like, all right, well, why am I here? This is a really cool place. Why am I here? And they told me that they have, they wanted me to sit in a group with Carlos. And I have not met Carlos yet. And um, for our first responder uh, program. And I'm like, wait, what? First responder program? What's that? He goes, well, we have a program just for cops, firemen, military, corrections, dispatchers. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, like just for us, just for us. And I was blown away. I was like, and you know, Sean and I served for a long time in SWAT and, and we, go, I was having a film reel going through my mind of the people that were out of control that we knew the people that had to be watched when we went out things like people who would, you know, drink themselves, you know, into a stupor. And, you know, what did we do, Sean? We protected them, right? We, we, oh, yeah. we you know, it, nobody said anything. And, and that was all going through my head at that time. And I'm like, wow, imagine how many people I could have saved just by our alpha males that we dealt with in the SWAT community. And, and I was like, I can't wait to see this. So I'm sitting in this room, about 15 military first responders. And um, they were all talking about their trauma. And after the, the group, I went to Carlos, like, Carlos, I don't all those, like, there were like seven cops in the room, in the group out of the 15. And I said, how many of them have lost their job? And they're here. He said, 90% of them wow, have wow. lost their jobs. They got, I'm they like, got, what? They got let go or they quit? Fired. They got wow. terminated. Okay. I said, he goes, I said, how could that be with, with, FMLA with our EAPs, with our FOPs, our PBAs, how can that happen? And he laughed at me, Carlos. Carlos is like, Rich, they don't get in trouble for their addiction. They don't get in trouble for the stupid stuff they do on shift when they're intoxicated. They get in trouble for lying to command staff about their addiction, right? Mm, right. We all know right. we all did this job. Once you lie, you it's are it. done. Done, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Right. So I said, they said, if you had your way with an unlimited budget, how would you get the word out that we exist? I said, and, and at the time they had this first responder brochure and it was a jail guard locking a jail and the corridor of the jail was the first responder treatment. I'm like, I would take this and rip it up right. because you're sending the wrong message <laughs> right, 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 going right. to jail. Right, right. And and I said I would go to conferences, I would go to ITOA, IACP, I would go to the FOP conferences, I would go to the SWAT conferences, I would get with this and get with that, have a great uh, brochure, I'd have a great display at these conferences. And they said, all right, we want to hire you. I'm like, oh, hell no, I'm not going to be hired <laughs> by no one. I said, I said, if you want, <laughs> I said, I am done with that life i think the only person i have to answer to is the lady next door right and that's right. my wife right. so um and uh so i said okay we'll we'll sign a contract with with your consulting company we'll for a year we'll see how it goes 
and I've been there since 2018. And um, mm. they hired me on as a director of national training. And my job is to train first responders how to ask for help, plain and simple. Wow. Uh, so I created three levels of training. I created a 20-minute roll call video that anybody in your audience who wants it, you just got to reach out to me. Um, that's our second version that we've done. It shows uh, who we are, what we do, Carlos's story, uh, one of our alumni story, how to ask for help confidentially so nobody even knows you went to treatment. Um, we have a not on my watch program that Carlos, myself, and, and Adam, um, Adam is my partner. He's a star, retired sergeant from New Jersey. Uh, he handles getting people in the treatment. So, and then um, that's the not on my watch training. We travel all over the country doing that. Uh, like I was just in Dallas, then I went to Orlando, then I went to Washington State, and here I am in Vegas. So we travel all over the country, either me and Carlos, or me, Carlos, and Adam, or me and Adam, or me and Brian. Uh, we show first responders how to ask for help. And the, and the most important part of all of this, guys, is that our culture doesn't trust anybody else. Hmm. No one. Oh, 100%. And, uh, no, they don't trust you. Yeah. They don't trust anybody. Even their own, they don't trust. And Carlos will hit on that. But what mm -hmm. happens is, is that I created something called the stakeholders training. The stakeholders training is that if you are responsible for putting someone into treatment, for example, um, if you are a union president, like we had John Cannon Zara and Mike Meddy from Chicago FOP come out. Yeah. Uh, we will fly you down the Delray Beach, Florida. We'll pay for your flight, pay for your hotel, pay for your food and you will go through three days of what your first responder will go through because when you do have someone that is struggling they say well you know there's this place in florida that has a special tract for first refer police fire and military mm -hmm. and what does the person suffering say did you go florida? yeah how do you know about that place right. what do you know about place did you go there right yeah i've been there i've been through that's the program idea. Hmm. i know the people there yeah and that's what we want our people our stakeholders to say. Now, we've been going through some changes right now, and Carlos and I talked about this earlier today. Um, you know, this is, I, I used to hit chiefs. Chiefs come down, blah, blah, blah. They just wanted a free vacation. Right. You know, so what now we are honing in on uh, people that are therapists who are dealing with for the first responder culture. Because if you are not from our culture and if you don't know, it, it, it's treatment is, 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 I don't want to say it's never going to work, but treatment is really hard because of the high anxiety of our first responders going into treatment enough that when they're sitting in front of somebody that doesn't understand our culture, how can you be forthright and honest and open without shocking that person? Right. Mm -hmm. And, and what Carlos has developed and he, he's going to get through his program to let you know about his program is a place of safety and respect, and honor. And this is what we deliver. Uh, this is what Carlos and his team delivers uh, at, at the Center for, for the Help for Our Heroes program. So all in all, in, 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 an interesting statistic that, you, that your audience should know, every time we do the Not On My Watch training, every single time, when we have either 50, 100, 300, 500 people in our audience, we are getting at least one person in the treatment. Hmm. Ah, that's okay. suffering wow. in silence yeah. in the audience wow. for example when i was in texas or, or um uh, orlando and, and washington five people wow hmm. five people reached out for help 
So we have so many people suffering in silence. They don't know what to do. And they don't, you know, Carlos will talk about the stigma, but the main stigma, the main reason why our people don't ask for help is because they don't want anybody to know right. that they need the help. Right. 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 And it's my job, Carlos and Adam, and we show them how to do that using FMLA. Okay. But I digress. I'll let Carlos uh, explain his history and the program and what he developed uh, for our first responders and military cultures. Yeah, Carlos, if you could just kind of tell us a little bit about your background and how what brought you your passion to this for the mental health aspect of our work and what we do, and then where you started and how you progressed and you know the backstory to what Rich just gave us. Yeah, well, thank you for having me, guys. And okay. um, I uh, this whole started as um, you know wanting to uh, address my own needs and uh, finding that there was um, no help, and also uh, fighting with uh, you know my own stigma of uh, reaching out and telling my story to other people, communicating uh, what I was going through. You know, I didn't want to be uh, perceived as some sort of a broken toy or that, right. uh, you know, I would, could not be trusted anymore for, you know, a backup or whatever it was. So, you know, for the longest time, that's the way it was. It was uh, silence, like, uh, you know, most most of the guys and gals that today uh, are, are keeping themselves in silence. So... Um, way back, um, uh, there was, uh, you, you guys perhaps maybe, or maybe somebody in your audience might remember this, but, uh, way back in the early nineties, I believe it was, or late eighties, there was a, a, a center that opened up that someone told me about. It was called Seafield 911. It was out of, uh, out of Boston. And uh, there was uh, uh, the Boston Stress Unit had uh, somehow branched out, and they now are putting you know a business together. And I heard about that through someone else. Is hey, you know that down in Davie, Florida, uh, not very far from where I was, um, and um, they have um, a center for for law enforcement officers. It was just strictly for cops, and I was I was really interested and i was uh you know i was going to school at that time and uh, i went out there knocked on the door and introduced myself and I, of course i drove in my police car and i was in full <laughs> uniform and so you know yeah they 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 thought i was a client you know at the beginning <laughs> but they they opened their doors and you know welcomed me and then i told them about what i really wanted and uh, you know that i was uh, working in uh, my graduate school and what have you and so uh, they, I, I said, look, I, I want to work with uh, with with uh, first responders, and um, is there something that you can give me here to work? I mean, you can you I can do part time work. Anyway, they hired me, and I ended up doing psychosocials and running some groups, and it was really uh, it felt so incredibly wonderful to be able to help my own, right. and um, and. That was uh, the actual birth of my absolute interest. And uh, now that the place, unfortunately, was badly managed, and then uh, I think it was only open for about maybe a year, a year and a half, and no it collapsed time. and it closed yeah. down. No time. Yeah. And at the time, then I was doing my clinical internship at Fair Oak Psychiatric Hospital, and I, I, 
I met, uh, kind of hit it off really well with the, uh, with the director, the clinical director, and he placed me on the adolescent unit and the adult unit. And, uh, long story short, after I finished all my clinical internship, uh, work there, he hired me and I spent about six years working and, uh, strictly in the mental health area, um, not in any, recovery uh, uh area but uh we started getting some people in recovery and and, and obviously that was uh, you know part of my background as well so um i i developed a real interest in in working with people that needed uh help in with their addictions um pushing forward um i um i i got a job with a, a couple of uh different places um uh, treatment centers and in, in every treatment center that I worked at I went right to the to the CEO uh, or clinical director and I I asked them to, if it could give me a chance to put a first responder program treatment together and I got no and I got another place no and another place was no and then, and then um, I heard about then I actually I was so busy at work that I left those places because I'm not going to work at a place where they don't have the interest, the best interest for the first responders. And so, you know, I, I quit. So one day I'm traveling north and I uh, got a call from a former colleague of mine uh, that was that I we worked together in the psychological services division with my department. It was just kind of this, this the, the, the six years that I was out of uniform uh, working in the psychological services. And um, um, so they, there's, a, there's a place down in, uh, in Delray Beach that is called Transformations. I go, what? Transformations. I have no idea what that is. I've never heard of them. He says, well, they're looking for somebody to um, run some groups. And I think you know the clinical director there. And so, anyways, I reached out. Yeah, it was definitely, it was uh, one of the persons that I, I have worked with. Uh, she had now been named clinical director there. And I'll be honest with you, I was so upset about the fact that I could not get, you know, my program, a program that I really wanted to have worked so hard for. Um, and and I, I was almost really just giving up. And she said to me, Carlos, please, I need somebody to run groups for me. Um, I said, well, I'm very busy with the sheriff's department. You know, he says, well, please, please, please. Anyways, long story short, I went in there. I helped her out. Um, and I, you know, I got right back into into it again. I was working with civilians. Um, um, she got fired about like four months later. Hmm. And there was a, another clinical director <laughs> came on board. And um, uh, her father... Uh, was a World War II veteran, and I felt that she was very progressive, she was very open, and I reached out to her about my ideas of what I wanted to do, to do a first responder military veterans um, uh, treatment program. Mm -hmm. She said, Carlos, put it together, and let me see it. I did all that, the rest is history. Hmm. I have nice. I have been now in transformations. This is my eleventh year, okay. and wow. the Health for Our Heroes program, uh, our brand, um, Health for Our Heroes program, uh, has been on now for about four four years, four and a half years. Oh, that wow! Uh, wow. Going back to the to the, the start of it, what was like the amount of 
first responders you would have in there. Like, like I mean, I, I, when I went down and saw the one in Florida, the Delray Beach one, it was there was a lot of veterans, uh, but there was only a couple first responders. Uh, what, what are the numbers like? I mean, in in, in treatment then and now. You know, uh, uh, it, it varies, Sean. It varies. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I, I will tell you that uh, we get more of the military veterans, mm -hmm. and uh, that's not a surprise because, mm -hmm. you know, when a military veteran leaves uh, their, their, their discharge, you know, they know everything about the VA. They know where to reach for help, and they, they know all that. They're already right. programmed right. to do that. Mm -hmm. There's no shame. There's no stigma. There's really nothing at right. all because that's mm -hmm. their main hub for all their mental health. And, and and physical well-being mm -hmm. but that's not that's not the case with us the case with oh. us is totally different do you do you see do you do you think one of the reasons are is because in the military with everything going on it's becoming it's more accepted like hey you went over there and you're, you're in a sandbox or whatever and you know they have more they have more colleagues that reach out for help and it seems to be more prevalent and okay as compared to cops it's perfectly It's yeah. perfectly okay to reach out to get the help, and uh, and and these men and women they they depend on the VA for you know for all all their treatment, uh, mental and physical. So there is no there is no stigma, none whatsoever. It's just like uh, you know it's it's perfectly okay. Hmm. Do you, I mean do you, we haven't been through both like the military and. The, the police world that you're i think you're 100 right the va has a bigger pocketbook obviously than municipalities do but do you think with the way things that are going in our profession that it could ever be at the level carlos where the va has like it's just understood that this is a part of being a first responder that you know cities municipalities organizations are going to fight more for these kind of benefits for us or do you think it's that's just an impossible road to hoe no no nothing is impossible I mean, Rich and I, from the very beginning, we sat down and we looked at each other, you know, I mean, after we went through all the stuff and, and it's okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do the other. And we looked at each other and, and, and I said to Rich, Rich, this is going to be probably the greatest challenge of our lives because yeah. we are changing, we are attempting to change a, 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 a culture that historically has... Um, been quiet we've been silent and and in changing but i will say that that uh, that we we're making strides and you know we're not going to give up and we know that the men and women out there they need help and i we know that they're keeping quiet because of many many different reasons and uh but we got to get to the point that asking for help you know, it's a sign of strength it's not a sign of weakness well, that, is, that, well, that you, when you reach out that that you're doing something, and I said that today in group. I've got uh, like three correction officers. I've got two law enforcement officers. I've got a nurse, and I got uh, and I have the rest of our military. And I said to them today in the group, in the group, I said, "You must understand. You must accept, and you must take it as gospel. And you must not only believe that for yourself, but but spread the message that when you ask for help." It is it is an absolute profound sign of strength within you because you're doing something that most people would not do. Right, but I think one of the things that we were talking about earlier is like even in, in our department they started this and and and, and it's a positive thing. I, and I get what they're trying to do, but I mean, I'll be honest with you. And you know, we've all been through debriefs, and you're sitting in a room full of people. I'm not going to say anything in a group full of people, and. and 
and I'm not going to go to somebody in my department and go, hey, because then you're like, well, even though it's supposed to be quiet, it's still my department, and then Sam's going to hear, and then he's going to tell Joe. And he goes. So I think one of the big humps is the fact that, that they have to have an avenue to go outside. And again, that goes back to what uh, yeah. Rich was saying, that you have to go yeah. somewhere that you trust. Because, I mean, I'll call Sean and I'll call Scott or whatever, And but I'm fortunate enough to have two guys that we've been through a lot of stuff together in the last 20 years that I know going outside and I trust them. But I think just when when it's something that's bothering you or can lead to therapy and stuff, I don't know if the in-house stuff, it's a good step, but I just think there's so, like, there's so much like, oh, my God, they're going to find out I'm going to lose my job that I think they, they have to kind of look outside and give an outside avenue. Yeah, yeah let me let me make yeah. it. Yeah, let me let me make this really really uh, consolidated and hit all your points right right here in one thing, Chris. So um, I was in I was in uh, Spokane, Washington, speaking to over 350 first responders, and I asked all of them. I said, "How many of you have ever had training in FMLA?" And none of them raised their hand. Mm-hmm. I was in Oklahoma City with Carlos. I asked the same question, and the commander said, "Isn't that for pregnant women?" Wow. So what? What well, people it is, don't understand but not exclusively. Yes, we do not have training, and this is what our roll call training does, and it's all free. We don't have the training to to know because we are in a militaristic organization, right? Mm-hmm. All of our people think that they have to go to their sergeant in order to go to HR. Mm-hmm. That's not true, right? We can go to HR anytime we want, and we don't have to get permission to do that. Now, when we go to HR, we say those three words, those three words that take a lot of strength, and Moxie, I need help. When you go to HR and say, I need help, they say, okay, what do you need help with? The next thing you have to say is, I expect total confidentiality. Right. Now, once you say that and they acknowledge it, no matter if it's the chief, if it's the mayor, if it's the city manager, no one can order that human resource person to tell them where you went. Hmm. It is confidential. And there's two things that you know some of our cities only understand the L word, and that's liability. Mm-hmm. If right. there is an interference or retaliation claim for taking your FMLA, that is actionable, and it's a it could be a six-figure liability on the city if they pursue it. Now, there are two caveats as a result of this FMLA. If you are a danger to yourself or mm-hmm. the community, then HR must tell command staff where you are and where you're going. Okay? Mm-hmm. So... Only in this, so what, what do we, and we train peer support all over the country. So when you have a guy coming to you and they say, dude, I'm, I'm in a dark place. You know, I was sucking on my pistol and, and, and all this type of stuff. As peer support, we have to let our people know and say, okay, this is the thing. If you think you're going to wipe yourself out or someone else and you go to HR, they're going to tell command staff. Or you can just tell them you're in a dark place and you're numb. And you can't feel anything in it anymore. And you think your life is going sideways. They can't tell commands that because you're not saying you're going to kill yourself. You're not saying you're going to kill anybody out there. So it's exactly to know what to say. Mm -hmm. And and again, you know, especially in Illinois is that when they, when I try to get to those organizations, Oh, that's just rich Wasaki trying to make money. 
Oh, that's just rich. Right, yeah, right. You know, we are our worst enemy. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I try to get our, our, our police chief, our deputy chief, our fire chief, our, but because somebody wasn't invited, they put the kibosh <laughs> on everything. Oh, it's an ethics violation. So are you looking at ethics violations to go to training or are you looking at the survivability of your people? Right. You know, right. and this is the stupid shit that, that command staff deals with. Now, understand the, the, the problems with, with this, too. Sometimes the police chief is dating the HR person. Oh, right? yeah, right. Sometimes it's a relative. Sometimes it's a this person's been there all year, and they're good buddies with the chief or the mayor. And, but again, if they disclose where that person is, that is a total violation of not only FMLA, but HIPAA as well. Now, under FMLA, you have to be working for the agency for a year, at least a year. And, 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 um, there's case law that we bring out in our training. And again, all our training is free that we go out we do these in services. We do, you know, conferences and, um, they don't know how to ask for help confidentially. And that's how you do it. The FMLA. Now, a lot of our first responders will go like this. They'll go have lunch with someone and they'll say, Hey, what do you think about dit, 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 dit? Or what do you think about, and then they'll go to somebody else. Hey, what do you think about dit, 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 dit? And, and they'll go to someone else. They'll leave a trail of their suffering in silence. Right. And then when it comes to going to training, going out to an after work uh, party or whatever, they'll be meeting with the commander. Hey, you know, so-and-so asked me this question. He asked you that question? Oh, he asked me that question too. Oh, he asked me that question too. So then the commander is going to say, hey, why don't you come see me? Right. And what are those three words that we all shudder? When our bosses call us into their office, shut, shut the, door, the door, right? Yeah, yeah. When they say shut the door, when Scott, when you say shut the door to your people, <laughs> Wait, you're man. like shutting a shiver down man. there. Man. You know things are about to go south. Right? through the last <laughs> three weeks. Like, what did I do? Scott, that thing I yeah. was going to talk to you about, I'm just going straight down. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. so, so, You'll have to so talk to our podcast Carlos, union rep. Carlos, my, <laughs> Carlos, myself, and Adam, we travel the country. And we try to show our first responders um, how to ask for help confidentially that nobody even knows they went to treatment. Okay. Have you guys, so, have okay. You guys, so with those words, sorry. So with those, when you say that I need help and I expect full confidentiality. So for the, for the people listening, what, what can HR only say? So-and-so is taking FMLA or so-and-so is taking FMLA for this reason. Nope. They nope. can only say that he's taken his FMLA, right, Carlos? Right. Correct. Okay. Okay. So there is a four-page form that within 48 hours when they arrive at Transformations or Help Our Heroes program, uh, we will fill out the paperwork. Our doctor will sign it. There are no medical codes that are on this federal form that get sent back to your city. So no one knows where you went okay. or what the reason was for. Okay. So, Rich, it sounds like obviously – you're one of your, it's almost as much about telling people about what you offer for therapy services as it is informing people of just how to get the help. It's, it's both of those. Absolutely. Yep. It's three things. It's what we offer in Carlos's fantastic program. It's how to ask for that help. And the worst thing of all of this is, is what kind of insurance do you have? Yeah. yeah. The insurance industry is what controls all the treatment. And if you have crappy insurance, like 
we have we have we had one facility transformations in Delray, right? We just opened up a second one that's strictly mental health, and Carlos can talk about that called Mending Fences. It is a 400 acre ranch with equine therapy just for mental health hmm. and a little bit of addiction they touch on. But now our third facility is called uh, Olympus, and Olympus is going to be in network with HMOs, and that's it's it's a lower level of care. Uh, but they're still staying in the same places in Via del Rey. They still have their own condo. They're still, uh, whenever possible, they're going to be staying with a first responder, stay with first responders whenever possible. Yeah. Uh, so, again, they're not going to be staying with some 20-something that's been in and out of prison, right. uh, rooming with someone like that. We have two people to a condo, and uh, it, it, we really pay attention to the culture and, and the respect and dignity of the people who are in high anxiety already that need to come to treatment. So let's let's talk about that. We get to the point where HR is on board and they're not saying anything silly. You can actually get to your treatment center. Walk us through that process, either one of you. Like I'm the guy that comes forward and says, all right, I need this. I get to HR, FMLA. I work everything out logistically on my back end here and wherever. And now I'm ready. To With go. insurance and everything? Yeah. You're right. worked out? Yeah. yeah. You have a PPO? You know, what no. we try to tell our peer support people that if you know somebody's struggling, there's two things you have to do is if you have somebody that's struggling that you recognize taking a lot of sick time and, and just not you, you're hearing things, you know, um, mm -hmm. make sure in open enrollment, that person goes to a PPO. Okay. Second thing, peer support needs to work with supervisors. So the supervisors can tell them when one of the officers are taking an extensive amount of sick time for no apparent good reason. Mm -hmm. hmm. Time for an intervention then. Right. So, so, but again, a lot of people don't trust peer support because you can be bleeding your heart out to the peer support person. And then at lunch, they're having dinner with the right. commander. Right. right. And they right. drive by, oh, he's probably telling him everything I said. Right. Right. Forget right. it. I'm good. Right. I don't need to go to treatment. Yep. Right. You know, and right. so peer support needs to be really, really cognizant of that. So, getting back to your, your, your question, Sean. So, what we would do is that if, 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 um, you, you were cleared, you have to do a 15-minute interview with our admissions, and they hit all these points, and we want to make sure you understand what FMLA is and that your stuff is going to be signed. So um, That's done telephonically? To, is that done on the phone? Yeah. Let me see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you have to get a flight, either your family members or a lot of times the union will pay for the flight. Mm -hmm. We cannot pay for your flight to come down because it's against Florida law, and it's considered enticement. If we fly you down as a client, yeah, right, 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 right. So, you, so either your family members, you or your union would take care of that uh, one-way ticket down to Fort Fort Lauderdale. We have a uh, we we have a service that will pick you up. Now, when we first started help for our heroes, um, Ron Hain, right, uh, Sheriff Hain, mm -hmm. he was our first stakeholder to come down, and um, we have techs that work. Uh, you know, to guide and direct new clients to where they need to go. And all of our techs are in recovery, most of them. And uh, we would send the techs to go take the van to pick up our client, our clients or our stakeholders. Well, a 20 something picked up Ron Hain with gauges in his ear, gauges in his nose and all tatted <laughs> up. And, uh, <laughs> and, and Ron texts me, you know, he goes, I would never send anybody to your treatment center. And I'm like, Dude, what's up? You're not what's even here on? yet. You're <laughs> just in the car. You, yeah, right. <laughs> you're going to send someone like this to pick up my people? 
bullshit. <laughs> so immediately, right. we hired a professional uh, transportation service, and they picked them up from the airport. You know, the little guy with the hat with the sign, hey, I'm looking for so-and-so. <laughs> right, so right, uh, you right. just follow them into the, into the transport vehicle and then, or the, the car. Right. And then they take them either they need to go to detox, they go to detox. And, and your audience should know that if somebody is dealing with alcohol addiction and they're flying to us, go get a gate pass and accompany them to the gate. Just let the, let the ticket agent know that, hey, my partner here is going to treatment and I'd like to accompany down him down to the, to the gate. And so he gets on the plane, okay. Because if you don't, people, he's gonna go hammered. What do you think that person's gonna yeah, hit? He's do? gonna show up hammered. Yep. He or she is gonna hit every single bar in there and be plastered by yep. the time they get right. down there. Yep. Right. It's happened. We've before. had, yeah, we've had people even fly with their person down just to make sure they're right. tucked in. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, Ron right. Hain has done that, and he's a fantastic sheriff. Right. And so, um, getting you down there, and if you have an addiction problem, you go straight to detox. So mm-hmm. Summit Detox is, you wouldn't even know it's a hospital. We have private rooms for our first responders, or we try to make those accommodations as best we can uh, to make sure they're safe. Um, you go down to Detox, we do take, you know, we, we search your clothes, search your bags, search your shoes. and Because we don't want you bringing anything in that's going to hurt yourself or others. Right. We had a military right. guy that hit a, a knife in the sole of his shoe. You know, we found it and, 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 you know, we just have to make sure everybody's safe. So we don't want that to be a a surprise. Also, we want you to bring your medications down. So we know what kind of medications you're on, whether they're good or good, not good for you. We'll evaluate all that. Um, So then there's a seven day blackout period. Well, you have, you don't have your cell phone because for 30 days, we want to concentrate on you. And usually the cell phone is probably part of the problem. Right. Yeah. And so for seven days, you, we're, there's called a seven day blackout. And then if you need to, to check your email, pay your bills, check on your business, uh, your therapist, you get two therapists, you get your primary and you get your secondary, which is Carlos, your first responder therapist. You can make arrangements with them to you to get on email or, or whatever you need to do. And then once you're clear to detox, Sean, then you, you get set up with your primary therapist. And then you go right into the program. Okay. And you go so, to groups and it's specialized groups. So you go from detox, like the detox center, and then you go to the living facilities. Is that what you're saying? Or is that, how's that work? Yeah. There's a, there's something, there's a place called Via del Rey where our clients stay. It's a 43 unit condominium complex, beautiful uh, property, um, beautiful, all hardwood floors. You get your own bedroom, you get your own bathroom. Uh, granite oak cabinets it's really beautiful there you know some of our mm-hmm. some of our stakeholders say man this is nicer than where i live i'm just gonna so, say <laughs> so, you got any for sale <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Hey, and they come with exotic animals too <laughs> yeah, yeah we have exotic animals and reptiles in our yeah. lagoon it's really cool and really? in the winter time you go down in the winter time you'll see them fall out of the trees and go in the water it's really cool hey, i got so, i got one quick question before you go into like the facility just about um you're talking about the people that are coming there when you mention the detox are mm-hmm. a lot of what do you see more of is it mental health like depression issues is it substance abuse problems is it ptsd or are they all equal they're all equal okay. they're all yeah. they're all they're all way the same uh we uh i um you know what we uh we get uh just across the board you know, we, we, we just get them all equal. Yeah. And uh, that's usually they're at that level, you know, when they reach out for help and come to us. They're, right. they're the last 
their last straw, their last breath. I mean, I've, I have, I, I can't tell you how many, how many guys and girls have said to me, Carlos, I, I sat right on the edge of my bed and I just held my gun and I held it and I held it and I looked at 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 it. And, and, and others say, uh, you know, when I felt that cold steel, it, br it brought me to the reality of what, what in the hell am I doing? Mm. What, what kind of legacy am I going to leave behind? What kind of pain am I going to leave behind for my family? You know, it, you know, there's no one clear path for treatment to suicide. And, um, and we, you know, it, it's a accumulation of all the things that we do, uh, at transformations to be able to address that because, you know, no one case is the same. Uh, right. these right. men, men and women come from all walks of life, all walks of different experiences. Um, you know, divorce, uh, being fired, uh, kids, kids not wanting to talk to them, um, um, financial issues. I mean, look, you know, the, 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 the reasons are, are many. Yeah, and yeah. so it's, it's up to us to be able to, you know, bring that individual, you know, back into, in, into the road of reality and understand that there are some things that you can change. There are some things that you can tweak, but there are some things, also things that you have to accept in life right. and life. It's, it doesn't end. Life begins when you leave treatment, brand new life. And so, you know, we, we do a lot. We try to instill, instill hope and, um, and we, we persevere in that area. And Rich talked about something that he mentioned that we have primary therapists and I become the secondary therapist. The reason why I put that in the program is because I know that when a first responder leaves treatment, they're not going to go to their psychologist from the right. department and right. they're not going to no. go to the mental health. Right. I know right. that. I know that. Right. So I'm, you know, I'm, we, what we do in, in, in giving them uh, a civilian primary and me as a secondary, because I know that there are some things that, that he or she is not going to address with the civilian therapist, but they will address it with me. Okay. And, and when I tell them, I understand what you're saying to me, I get it. They know that I do right. because I explained my entire background to them and so I, I attempt to create establish that trust with them immediately first and foremost but you know when they leave treatment the likelihood of them reaching for the department's psych it's just to be zero so i know that there is if it's a chance that they will attempt to seek help, it will be with a civilian therapist. Having worked with a civilian therapist already, having experienced that 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 process and establishing trust with their primary, a civilian, now it's not new. They don't have to right, wonder yeah, about right, it. Yeah. Now they can right. reach out. Now do you guys oh. reach out for them? Like if somebody comes from Illinois and whatever and they're, they're, they go through, well, two questions. Um, first, I mean, is I'm assuming every... The, the recovery and or therapy that they go through is based on what their challenges are. So whether it's four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, whatever. Right. And Correct. then when they're done with that, do you guys hook them up with people that you know in each state or, or, our discharge, our discharge personnel, um, they will identify and really look real hard in their area, whether it be, 
you know, 30, 40, 50 mile radius, if there is a clinician outside of the department that that has a practice that they service first responders. Mm-hmm. And so we we uh, attempt to do that every single time with, with our people so that they, when they leave treatment, Delray, they already have all that information, okay. everything. We also have an incredible alumni that reaches out immediately we're constant constant with them and as the, the months and, and the years progress obviously you know we reach out less and less if they're doing really good uh, but we attempt to keep in touch with them even through the years we have people that have gone through treatment you know six seven eight years ago and alumni still reaching out you know and say hey how are you doing what's happening right, and great. it's uh and and it's, it's a beautiful thing you know when alumni tells us you know how well they're doing or they they they, they send me a text or they send me a photograph that they got married or they yeah, uh, they, got, go, they got right. pro, they got promoted or they got their first child mm-hmm. it makes our job really all worthwhile because it's a life that we've we have saved right and yeah. i think yeah. also with that you know knowing that they just when it's done it's not really done you know, it's done when they feel they're okay because now you're like, okay, I went down there for four weeks or whatever it was, and then here I am back here with nothing. And they, and they had, but they had that support when they leave. I think that's super important because, again, just like you said, they are not going to go back to their departmental, you know, social, you know, social workers or therapists or whatever. There's, they're, they're just not. And and again, I don't even know if that's that's a hump that you know in the police department that they will ever get over but have, knowing that they have the support when they leave i think is huge i think it's really yeah huge. it's it's huge and, and what your first responder community that should know listen to, listening to your show is that they should pick you know a treatment center if they're, they're looking either locally or out of state that that handles the release like carlos said and has everything set up i mean we are very strict you know and that's why we're going to the therapists being our stakeholders so they know exactly what we have mm-hmm. in our first responder therapists uh, throughout the country. Like, you know, Dr. Carrie Steiner is, is one of one of our stakeholders mm-hmm. and she went down, her staff went down and, and she, and, and we had to make some changes in order to be accepted by her. Right. And, right. and, and we did those changes bar none, whatever she wants, we will get because she wants, uh, we want her to feel comfortable that we will take care of the people that she is sending us and her staff. Yeah. So it, it's very important that we have an exit strategy right. for that person to be successful. Because if you don't, right. and you just throw them out in a boat with no oars or no mm. motor, right. they're right. going to go back up. Carlos, uh, if you can let them know what, what your uh, sessions are like, different than any ask, place what's else. What's a typical day yeah. like when you're there in, in therapy? Yeah. Um, one of the, uh, you know, um, before I do that, one of the things that, that that I established right from the very beginning is that all of our stakeholders uh, will, uh, even before COVID, uh, you know, they they were actually went into the room uh, like Rich did, uh, and they can ask directly any questions that they want to the 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 clients. So you get it firsthand. 
mm-hmm. um, and uh, with the COVID, we what we've done and we put the clients in one room, and uh, obviously they agree to speak to our, our guests, and uh, we get their permission, and um, and so we've done it through Zoom. There's no better way of really and truly sizing up what we do and to hear it from the men and women who are attending there, who are clients, and that's a, it's right. been like that since day one. Right. Like that. Um, our therapy, our therapy, obviously, you know, it's a, our, our group is a closed group. There are no civilians. There will never be civilians. And so, so it, it, it will be, it will be, uh, you know, correction officers, firefighters, law enforcement officers, um, uh, military veterans. It could be trauma nurses, dispatchers. Um, uh, uh, so, so we, we have a, a kind of a really mixed, nice group. Um, and we talk about, the things that normally they will not absolutely will not say in other groups Mm -hmm. because we also want them we don't want to isolate them so they attend other groups with civilians and uh, but they keep the meat of whatever it is that they that they want to share when they come to my groups and so we, we we do the processing um i do a lot of training in the area of post traumatic stress um we that's a, a must. We talk about a lot about suicide, uh, about managing managing uh, feelings and emotions. Um, we 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 talk about family. We talk about, uh, for example, today. Today I, um, I I gave out a handout and it's like a, it was a picture, a silhouette of a person, and on on the top, uh, the question was, who am I? And so I asked him to write, you know, who are you? Tell me who you are. And so they wrote all the stuff, the who they are, and whatever. Okay, and some, you know, some good, some bad. And so I said, okay, now let's go ahead and circle the ones that you feel that you you really want to keep, the one that you're proud of of owning and having. So they did that. So I want you now to write a minus sign on the ones that you don't like about yourself and the ones that you want to change. And so we process all of that. It's 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 very it's very hmm. open uh, and and again you know establishing that trust and obviously what we want to do is we we want to be able to have the client to create that willingness to want the help right right because a lot of them come and they're coming because they and they tell me so Carlos don't 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 take offense to this I'm here because I have to. Okay, uh, I've right. been sent yeah. here, command oh, wow. order sent me here, and I really don't, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, uh, this is the last place I want to be at. Right. And so I said, yeah, but it's, it is truly the number one place that you should be right. at, and you're, and you're here. Make the very best of it. Now, so often, um, you know, you got to deal with a lot of issues of shame, of anger, betrayal, resentment, mm-hmm. uh, divorces. I mean, just a lot of, lot of, lot of guys and gals come in i mean really heavy packed and it's our job as clinicians to be able to to listen to be able to uh, pinpoint the areas of of trauma and then of course you know we have in, in, incredible clinicians who are uh the uh, emdr uh, certified and uh, the emdr is the eye movement reprocessing uh which is incredible um it's a it's a it's it's a it's acronym and emdr and to be honest with you none of the even even the the, the therapists who are emdr 
trained and certified. Um, and it's a long process to get certified on that. They will tell you that it doesn't know how to work. The guy who even invented it says, I don't even know how it works, right. but it works. Right. And it, it works beautiful to where you move stuff inside the brain. You know, as much as we know about the brain, as much as we don't know about the brain. So we're learning as we go along. But I'll tell you, EMDR is an, is, is incredible. We also have something uh, called um, uh, RTR, which is rapid um, trauma resolution. Um, we, um, we have also the brain mapping. Um, this is exactly where we show you, the screen shows you in your wow. brain where uh, these things are coming from. And it is just wow. an eye opener. Really cool. Yeah, super cool. Yeah. Super cool. And we have mm -hmm. uh, special people um, that um, they're. Uh, come from an outside company they are they work full-time at transformations and they offer those uh those services and they are uh, offered to all of our first responders and military members so after group is there i'm assuming there's one-on-one -on -one sessions also depending on what oh, your need is. absolutely yeah, yeah. Okay. we every every week every week every 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 day there is a there's group every single day of the week we mm. have group we have group and every single uh week i see all of them okay so, Carlos, um, talk to them about your secrets behind the badge. Oh yeah, uh, therapy session. Yeah, well, you know that that I came, I came, uh, 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 that came to me a while back. I just felt that there were a lot of a lot of guys and gals were not really being. They were they were they were being honest with me. They were being open with me. But I just felt that there was there was more mm -hmm. i just felt that there was more by by their responses you know by their by the, just by their affect and 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 so i created something that's called uh, a secret behind the badge and um i uh, i let them know that it's available i let them know that it is it is it is totally different from an individual session that i may have with them they they know offhand that when they come to that that session a secret behind the badge they got to be ready to share with me perhaps maybe some lifelong secrets that they have held and that no one knows about mm -hmm. and again this is part of that profound you know therapeutic process of being able to create that cleansing because a lot of a lot of um we have found, I have found, that uh, sexual abuse, as was there when they were children, um, is pretty prevalent. Hmm. Wow. Uh, yeah, really, and wow. it's and, it, and it's a a secret that they have kept for many many years, and as a result of that, they they have lived very destructive lives. They've done the job uh, well, but you know, either their private life or eventually their professional life begins to take a toll mm -hmm. so uh yeah yeah that's a, that's an awesome yeah, one yeah, yeah. I, I will tell you i don't get them every day but when i do get them wow profound yeah, i bet right. yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. very Up very out yeah. And, yeah and treatment too that's great you right. yeah. get them get past that because you know that's going to stay with you forever and oh my you don't god yeah. your arms around that right you know yeah, that's, yeah. That's, how to deal great. with it i mean it, it, it sits there but you know you have to just you know you have to, to deal with something like that yeah for but, sure, and, and and what Carlos is talking about, guys, is is that the secrets behind the badge sessions that he has. A lot of times, it does have to deal with 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 trauma when they were kids, when we were kids. Um, but sometimes it is 
um, you know, things that they did on the job. Did they steal something? Did they lie about something? Did mm-hmm. they put a beating on someone? And, and, and those types of things haunt them. Right. And they can't tell anybody about it. And this is the weight that they carry. And Carlos allows that to release. Now, mm-hmm. now Carlos is very profound. And, and um, he, when, when, he, when he talks in, in conferences, he talks about, you know, PTS is absolutely treatable. Right. But people think they're a broken toy and they can't tell anybody. Right. But when you use the, the tools that we're giving you, when he talks about EMDR in simple layman terms, the frontal cortex of the brain is where intrusive memories sit, right? And then there's triggers, a smell of something, uh, a noise of something will trigger you. What EMDR does, it takes that frontal cortex brain, that intrusive memory, and through this process of eye desensitization, brings it to another portion of the brain so that physical trigger doesn't appear anymore. The memory's still there, yeah. but the physical trigger isn't there anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the magic that Carlos and other people that are EMDR certified in our in, in our locations um, are very, very good at what they do. Some, some of our first responders uh, continue their EMDR once a week, wow. if need be. Right. Yeah. So when you guys are talking about this stuff, it you know, when I was down there and I went through there, I was like, yeah, everything's like kind of like you're at the Mayo Clinic or you're some like you're expecting Freud to come walking out. But then there's actually a lot of fun stuff that you do there. Like there's a lot of other types of therapy that you do there. That I was more like, Troy. Well, well, yeah. That's yeah. Like, they, they let you do really cool things. Like in Florida, you were like, if I had to pay yeah. for. The- normally i'd be like yeah. you know i'd be getting rolled yeah you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah yeah but it's, right. it was like can you guys talk a little bit about that so people realize it's not just all the business of getting better part of it is also the fun of getting better you know what i mean yeah so 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 yeah. let me ask you a question how many of you guys worked in task forces with other people in your in your professional life like all, all of, you, all right? of us probably right yeah, yeah. Point. so so when we said when we send someone to a local facility, right, mm-hmm. we're risking seeing someone else that right. was in that task force. Right. Right. right? So uh, I'm not going to say anything because he may go back to his department and say this or that. Right? right. So that's why we firmly believe that getting the help out of there, go, sending them someplace like Florida where nobody knows them mm-hmm. and, and, and they can start from scratch and, and start the healing process. And part of that healing is what Sean's talking about is called adventure therapy. We have an adventure therapist. His name is Troy Meeks. So Troy was a, uh, a Marine, a bipolar Marine. Um, he ran uh, a very famous um, steak place nationwide, uh, ran a couple of those. Uh, but his alcoholism and his bipolarness uh, got the best of him. And he had to go to treatment. So when Sean, when he got out, um, he decided that he was going to give his life up to others and he created this thing called evolve. And what adventure therapy does is that he will take clients out on the ocean. One of the newest things that he does is the sun's sunrise, um, therapy session. He'll have everybody on a paddleboard at sunrise and he tell everybody remain still. I want you to experience this moment as the sun fully comes up. And understand that you made it another day. Right. And yeah. look at God's creation. That's awesome. Right. Wow. Yeah. And 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 what and and Carlos will tell you what he gets. And when the clients first come to us, Carlos, I don't feel anything. I am just numb. 
And that's a common theme, right, Carlos? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it is, uh, I hear that so many times when I, I ask them about what is it that you're feeling? I mean, when they say something uh, that, that they're going through and I say, well, tell me, tell me about, you know, what is it that you're feeling? They look at me like I've got some, like a third eye in my forehead and, and they say, mm. like, what, are you, what are you talking about? A feeling? I, I don't, I don't have any feelings. I have no, right. I'm numb. Right. I'm numb, Carlos. You understand? Right. I'm numb. And, and, and I don't have any feelings. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just strange. I'm just weird. I, I don't know what's, I think I'm going crazy. I just don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, you know, that's all part of that confusion that begins to set. And, and again, uh, Rich talks about, you know, those issues of, of shame and anger. I do get a lot of our first responders saying, my department betrayed me. They betrayed me. You know, they have that betrayal and, and a deep resentment for their departments because um, they have either been unjustly charged with something mm-hmm. or fired or something. And, and uh, uh, it, it is, it, it, and I, and I'm seeing it getting even worse as society, mm-hmm. as, mm-hmm. as, you know, we are now becoming, you know, the, the, the being vilified out there right. and, and everything oh, sure. is, is caused because of us. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of these guys are really, they're, they're coming in really, really, I mean, angry to the core a resentful in that sense of betrayal it, it just we have to work really hard with them in order to just you know be able to ease that because I, we let them know it says listen you got to understand something please at least listen and just ponder what, what i'm about to tell you you are the only one getting hurt here and you are creating your own hurt you're self-destructing and do they do they do they deserve that? Right. And so you know, we attempt to bring back to empowering them, it's, and it's a process, as you probably can oh, tell. Oh sure, if you don't it's, feel it's, anything, it, it, I mean, where do yeah. you start? Like, I mean, you know, I mean, I can see the first like, okay, this is you know, you know, okay, so what are we gonna do? Some adventures here. I mean, that that if you don't feel anything, that has to be that's got to be a huge hurdle. And once you get, yeah. the, you know, right. So and, and then what Trey does is that. He wants them to live in that moment, that they're here, and then he, then they will will paddleboard out to a sandbar in the ocean, to a mangrove, and what happens is he'll have a therapy session right on the ocean with the clients, with our first responders, and that serotonin with the ocean, that mm. that feel good mm. uh, endorphin mm-hmm. dump mm-hmm. starts to come back into the brain, wow. and they start feeling again. That's amazing, and it, it's it's your, so your, couch, your couch is a longboard. Yeah, It's through these experiences, whether it's a paddleboard to a uh, sandbar, whether it's a, a dive over a wreck in the 1900s. Uh, he even does a night swim uh, yep. under a bridge with with you know stingrays and turtles and stuff. And, and mm-hmm. you know, we're, Troy, we play a video in uh, in our uh, not on my watch program that that shows the the smiles on these first responders' faces, where they were in that dark place when Carlos first gets them, and now Troy has them, and every week they're going with Troy once or twice a week, and then yeah. every Friday 
uh, our first responders in the military have a barbecue just themselves. Yep. Yeah. And they, they kind of mm-hmm. decompress the week together. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, there's a big fellowship and understanding of what they've been through. It is a brotherhood and a sisterhood. And then one of the things that, that we do also, we are bringing back after COVID now is called family weekend. So Carlos, you want to explain that? Yeah, before I, I, I spend about the uh, explain the family week, I want to say that that the reason for our success is because we treat the whole human being. We treat the outside and we treat the inside. Mm. What we do in clinical, it's all in work, in-house, in-body work, mental work, right? Soul work. When Troy gets them out there, now they are engaged with the world. They are engaged with 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 all of these experiences that is part of a breath of fresh air that there is more to life out there that they have been missing out because of their alcoholism or the drug addiction, isolation, depression. We are, we are showing them a brand new opening, a brand new door that now they have they're working with the the inner workings of therapy but now they're also working with the outer workings of what they're getting from the environment mm-hmm. as well so it, it's a it's a great beautiful balance that right. that we've created at, at transformations the the family week um uh, once a month we have uh, we let all of our family members um uh, know that um, Family Week will be uh, this day. Uh, now we're doing it through Zoom. Um, uh, when when uh, COVID uh, passes on, we'll go back to. Uh, we have a lot of family members that like to come down and spend the entire weekend with uh, with with us and their loved one. And uh, but for now, we're doing it. We're, we're doing uh, through Zoom. And basically, what it is is that we we answer. Any other questions? Um, uh, we also let them uh, let them know, uh, you know, what we do, how we do it, um, and and just being able to educate them on on any any questions that they may have and about addiction, uh, how to relate to uh, their loved ones who are alcoholics or drug addicts, um, and uh, what to do, what not to do, uh, what to say, what not to say. Right, right, um, right. To, to be able to, that's very important to be able for allowing them to become a good support system for that's awesome. their, their loved one. That's good. That's fun. That's, that, that's, that's awesome. I mean, because you, you know, you send them home and it's like people need to know how to, you know, and I want to say, yeah, how to be open. And I don't I mean just how, how that, you know, you have to hear and listen. And sometimes some of the stuff that we all look at is, or do we see is just shocking. And sometimes, and we've all done it. Like, there's no way, you know, my wife, Debbie needs to hear about this or, you know, my kids need to hear about this because this is, you know, right. this is messed up. You know, but right. some of that stuff you're gonna, they just have to understand that that's you know you bottle that stuff in, and sometimes it's get, the bottle's got to open. Yeah, and and one thing we know that's important uh, with when it comes to family weekend is that the spouse uh, or loved one or partner uh, will uh, sit with that first responders therapist, and they will have a family session. What to do, oh, what not nice. to do, like Carl oh, says. We then bring that to our not on my watch. So when the stakeholders come. And that we, we invite them down, we put them up and they, they experience what, one of the things that we have them do is that we want them to bring us to their, to their city and state. And we will do a presentation for the fireside, the police side dispatchers, 
and we will do a night session for spouses. Hmm. And sometimes it is the spouse that is the last straw and the spouse will say, look, I am tired of dealing with this. Right. Our marriage has been, has been ruined. There's nothing here anymore. I will only stay here if you go to treatment. Wow. Yeah. There you go. And, and we want, you know, the spouses have a big play in this. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's not just the cities or the counties or the government. Sometimes we have to reach out. Now, now, now Adam will spend five minutes with the first responder or their family. He'll spend five hours, five days, right. five weeks just mm-hmm. to be there for that family that he is the one. He's the, Adam is our partner. He's part of our team that that gets the person into into the get the ball rolling into treatment. Wow, that's yeah. great. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, you know one of the things, guys, that I am like really disturbed about and have been disturbed for many, many for a number of years is the department's lack of mental health training. Mm-hmm. And, and and I will I will I will throw my department you know under the bus here because I remember when I was at the psychological services training, one of my one of my responsibilities was the in service training. And I remember one time I went to see the lieutenant in charge of training, and I said I said Lieutenant, I've got I've got a a, a great program that I'm putting together and I, I and, and I, I know it's going to be really good. Like the guys and gals are really going to benefit from this. He says, Oh, Carlos, that's great. You're always coming up with all some, some good stuff. What is it? I said, suicide. He goes, what? He says, hell no. Right. You are not right. going to talk about suicide. It's just not going to happen. I said, but, but no, 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 buts. I don't, if you start talking about suicide, we're going to have mass suicide in this department. Are you crazy? I said, no, no, no. Long story short, I couldn't do it. So department's lack of mental health. And, and, and I, I understand, and I get it that a lot of departments really want to mean well. And, um, but they, you know, their peer support team is oftentimes is not very well trained. And, and the lack of training or peer support basically is like having nothing. And, 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 or other departments just don't want to have any peer support team at all. Or others, they put, you know, a couple of people just to say that they do have one. Right. There has to be, every department has to have a clear path of understanding of how to provide help for their struggling first responder. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. And, I th- and I think one of the things is that it, 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 we always talk about this, you know, you, you have to have the hard talks. And, and, and Rich, you've been talking about this for years where parents and their kids are having, or you having the hard talk with their parents, like, you know, shut their shit off or whatever. I mean, to get stuff better or to move forward, you have to have these talks and you just can't be afraid of like, listen, suicide's here. Alcoholism here, drug abuse is here. First responders, it's here. You, you have to have that, and and by saying it and thinking that there's going to be, you know, mass hysteria, it's got to stop. It's got to stop. Yeah, yeah. there's right. not. And we, that's and right. that's what we do. We show them how to get it confidentially. Let me let me give you a, a little situation that happened in in Dallas after we trained over there. Um, so the the union guys in Dallas uh, had one of their people, their members who were struggling. He needed to go now. Wow. Like he was in such a dark place. He needed to go now, but the unions and the peer support people had never set up that path. They were just out looking for, you know, treatment centers that they accepted. And ours was one of them, of course. And we're one of the four accepted by the national FOP. And, um, but they didn't know what the path was. 
So they called Adam on a Thursday. This guy needs to go. Well, he had crappy insurance, okay? So the second tier now is Adam has to call the city or the insurance company to do something called a single case agreement where the city agrees that they're going to pay this bill to get their person in the treatment. Well, they didn't know who the human resource person was that they can trust. So Adam spent the entire day, six hours, trying to find out who the human, and he was stuck in phone tree hell. So now what we want our peer support people to know is establish the relationship with your HR person, know who they are, know their cell phone, know their home phone, know their, their, their email that they'll answer. And when there is a crisis like that, you need to know who to contact to get the help you need. Cause it could be happening on a Saturday night at, at, at two o'clock in the right, morning, right? right? You, if you don't know what that clear path is or having a memorandum of understanding with our program, um, when that person actually reaches out for help, you got nothing. Right. So this person ended up going to a, a local non, uh, non first responder treatment center because he was in that much of a crisis mode. Wow. But we tell peer support, you need to know who the connections are to get that person into treatment immediately. And who is that here? Who's that resource? I mean, uh, human resource person that you trust that knows the law of FMLA to get this done. Wow. And that conversations have to happen now. Right. I agree. Not when it, not when somebody does right. it 10 weeks down the line, Right, you need to know this stuff now. Right. Pre-crisis. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. that, uh, that is a great place for us to do a wrap guys. Cause you guys have given out a ton of good information. That's awesome. We want to give you the opportunity now to kind of plug your sites and where people can find the information on you guys. Uh, either one of you or both of you, whatever you all got uh, on how to reach you guys at, uh, transformations. Sure. Yeah. So, so you can look us up online. It's helpforourheroes.com, helpforourheroes.com. Uh, Carlos is the director, Carlos Farina, F-A-R-I-N-A. Um, my, uh, uh, if you, need, if you are, need to get training or if you need to get someone into treatment or possibly get somebody in treatment, I'll give my information and, and then I will forward that to Adam. And what Adam will do, just so your audience knows, he needs a picture of your insurance card front and back and the date of birth of that person. Even if you don't have anybody struggling, guys, if you just want to check what benefits you have through your insurance, we'll run that. Now, remember, I want to make one analogy. So all of us dealt in different investigation teams, right? Mm -hmm. And if we're working a case and one of our team members says, "Uh, working this case, do you think we need a search warrant for that? Go get a search warrant, right? right? right Isn't that right, what we right, say? Right, right, right. If one of the yeah. people on our team says, you think we need a search warrant? Go get we'll a freaking search right. warrant. Right. Yeah. Same thing with this. Doubt, if right. you have somebody struggling or you think they're struggling, call Adam. Yeah. Just call Adam or call myself just to yeah. chat, just to find out what it's about. Give us a call and we will give you that path of which you should follow. And you can call me at Rich W. Rich W at transformationstreatment.com. Rich W at transformationstreatment.com. Um, you can call my cell phone 24 7 630 461 Call me 24 7. I don't care what time it is. Um, if there's a first responder struggling, we want to get them help immediately. Because if we don't help them when they're ready to say, I need help, Three days later, 
what's going to come out of their mouth? I didn't say that. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, right. I didn't drink yeah. for three days. I'm good. Right. right. Got to stop that. So we have to meet them where they are, and we promise that we will give them the dignity and respect that our culture deserves. That's great. We got to get involved, guys. That's right. the problem. Has been that we have not gotten involved enough we don't we don't we don't want to you know middle uh, uh, into uh, the people's business I'll, I'll, you may save a life right. the life that's what's you important know, yeah. it's yep. important so get involved don't worry about anything else get involved yeah well, thank right. you guys so Great much you guys Appreciate are doing it, man. yeah thank yeah, you so thank much you so i mean much we, need, we need more people like you for sure in, in in our line of work and for all our guests thank you for taking the time to listen today um if you have a, e- a question you can email us at three cops talk at gmail.com that's the number three cops talk at gmail.com you can go to our website uh three cops talk.com number three cops talk.com and also if uh you Go to where you get your podcasts, download, subscribe, leave a rating review. We'd much appreciate it. And then we're going to be having all the stuff up here in the on the website in a resource page here in the next two to three weeks from not only our ultimate, our great guests tonight, but guests from the past. So you know you, you can have a reference uh, for your uh, for your use. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate yeah, thanks, it. And you had you, you know one more one more thing, guys. And, and we just want to let your audience know if any of you ever want in service training or have us at your conferences reach out to me, uh, Rich W at transformationstreatment.com. Our training is free. You don't have to pay us. You don't have to pay us to get there. You don't have to put us up. We will come out. And that's why we think our mission is so important because sometimes you can't afford for the, for other speakers to come right, out. Right. Transformations understands that. You ain't going to pay a dime. The, the not on my watch training is two hours and we will take care of it. That's we awesome. just want to get the information out there. That's nice. awesome. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you guys so right, much. Man. Have a great, have a great evening, and thank you guys.